everyone, welcome to Trust the Trail. We are your outdoor guides, Ariane Petrucci and Scott Jans. This is episode 84, Backpacking Meteorologist. And by the way, we apologize, there is a buzzing sound on this podcast. We're not really sure what the technical issue is, but we are working on it. Um, it's very important for us to bring you a quality uh, podcast, so we do apologize for the, for the buzzing sound. And by the way, it's good to have you sitting next to me. Um, I did a terrible impression of you last yeah. week. <laughs> it was rough. So I'm glad you're... This is a little high pitch for how I've been sounding. I'm still a little under the weather. I can't do this by myself, obviously. No. And I'm glad you're back. Um, we are now on Patreon.com. In fact, our Patreon, uh, our patrons are seeing this episode broadcast live on our Patreon page tonight, for example. Um, if you'd like to support Trust the Trail, please check out our Patreon page on patreon.com forward slash trust the trail. We would love for you to be a part of our backpacking community. Plus, you can receive our podcast early before anybody else gets it. And another way to support us is by listening to Trust the Trail on the Radio Public app for both iOS and Android. So you can download it today and add Trust the Trail to your library. On this episode, we discuss how mountain ranges affect the weather. We talk all about how best to forecast the weather, the signs to look for once you're out there, and then share tips on what to do if you're caught in it. By the way, you can always join in our discussion on our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash trust the trail podcast and join in our podcast family. Come hang with us and be part of our community. Yeah, we just posted some uh, photographs, speaking of weather, um, on our Facebook group that had to do with our backpacking boot camp classes last weekend. And boy, did the weather change. <laughs> the inspiration for this podcast obviously came um, from this weekend. Um, we were collectively going to go out uh, due to a pretty aggressive case of bronchitis that you're still um, getting over i'm still have a chest cold so apologies for the uh deep coughs every now and again um <clears throat> but you know i stayed i stayed at home and I, for the first time ever in my life i might actually be grateful that i stayed home from a backpacking trip which is crazy to say because i never never would have thought that i would have would have said that but you were sick i was sick i mean it was bad <laughs> and you know the way the weather ended up turning you know i i, I probably no wouldn't way. be on this podcast no, either there's no way you'd be in the hospital <laughs> so we took carrie um one of our podcast listeners um <laughs> who we met because of this podcast and uh, we took her uh, she wanted to she's getting ready to do an at prep she was a guest on one of our podcasts um and she is planning, prepping, plotting, planning to through hike in 2019. I like the plotting and planning. And so she took her backpacking boot camp. Of course, we took her on the Appalachian Trail, but we did more than that. <laughs> we, um, she really got of no uh, magic uh, formula of of my own. Um, we, uh, the Appalachian Mountains, really kind of really let her do the class by herself. I mean, it was like, the weather was like, 
hey, you're going to take a backpacking boot camp class. You're going to hike the AT in spring. Let me show you what I got. <laughs> and so... Um, give you every possible scenario. Every possible scenario. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised there wasn't uh, like a, a raging snowstorm. But, uh, you know, we, we want to do this podcast because, you know, I tried to tell her that what we went through in those two days isn't that much out of the realm of possibility in well, the springtime when you're up in the Appalachian Mountains, wherever you are in the, in the mountains. Well, I would say it's actually pretty frequently common um, to have spells like that. Um, I would say almost everybody who goes out on the Appalachian Trail, you know, anywhere anywhere late February uh, you know, to April, they're, they're going to experience multiple times when weather such as this or this intensity of weather exists, occurs, happens to them, and they find typically that they've relaxed enough and they're just slightly unprepared for it. Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about too on this podcast is that how you can kind of be better prepared for the weather because I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to embrace some suck value if you're through hiking in the springtime in the Appalachian Mountains. You might even uh, <coughs> embrace some suck value in May and June. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about why it happens, what you can look for. And one of the things that we experienced this weekend was that um, never go to bed and never, never, especially in an I'm AT. I'm glad you didn't just leave it right there. Never in an AT shelter, by the way. Never get in your sleeping bag. Look at each other and say, you know, the weather's really not that cold right now. Um, and so that was a big surprise when we woke up the next morning. But Carrie's experience really was um, a, a true, a, a true 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 experience of not only the Appalachian Mountains the ridgeline and how weather gets not only sucked in like a vacuum cleaner to change the weather but what a polar vortex does on the west side of the ridge when it comes down from Canada and so she got to experience both those extreme type weather conditions that happen all the time this isn't a rare occurrence now the 40 mile per hour sustained winds were a little uh, nerve-wracking that lasted eight <laughs> hours but but uh, she really got to experience that so um, the boot camp went really well we had a blast uh, she uh, <laughs> no pun intended no yeah we had a blast <laughs> of arctic air that's what we had and um she tested her her she got a full test of her gear and uh she had a big agnes uh single person lightweight um i think it's the ultralight backpacking tent um and she learned what it was like to make sure you 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 tie down the guidelines on your rain flight. They're not there to look pretty, folks. They're there to be used and to and tie them down because she would have been flooded out. We had we had torrential flood-like, flash flood-type rains on Friday night that were epic. I mean, epic. I couldn't... There was a point where I didn't think it could rain any harder. And, and she survived it, and that's a uh, that was more than a typical... Uh, rainstorm normally but it rained uh, for a very long time it rained every bit uh, six seven hours 
and uh, everything in her tent remained dry because she staked it properly and she was able to um, get everything out of her tent she was able to pack it all up and she separated her rain fly from her tent which kept her backpack dry and then we went off and did some backpacking and uh, it was a great great trip we got into uh, Whiteley Gap Shelter uh, Whitley, Whitley, Whitley Gap Shelter, uh, off. It's right off uh, Hogpen Gap, about seven miles north of Mountain Crossings. And thank heaven we went to Mountain Crossings to get some gear first. She had, she got a uh, uh, 800 fill uh, goose down puffy jacket, the Mont Bell. She had a, a really good uh, rain jacket on. She had her layer system done properly. She was all ready to go. I was ready to go. We hiked down the AT, we got to Whitley Gap, or Whitley Gap Shelter, 7.30, quarter to eight, got in our sleeping bags, 53, uh, about 53 degrees outside, mild, foggy rain, typical mountain weather for the Appalachian yeah. Trail. And at about 10, 10.30, 11 o'clock, Mother Nature was, um, hello, I'm here. <laughs> Hi, don't forget about me. <laughs> and the 40 to 50 mile per hour winds uh, whipped all night. The wind came straight into the shelter and at one point in time puffed out both of our sleeping bags. Okay? The wind came into our sleeping bag and puffed it out, both of ours, and we were both sleeping in opposite directions, <laughs> if that can tell you anything. And it was cold. And the temperatures dropped and they dropped and they dropped. And uh, the temperature, air temp got into the low 20s that night probably with a windshield uh, factor and things freeze at that temperature and it was a tale of two uh, two weather systems and that you know she woke up in the morning and she says hey let's get breakfast let's go <laughs> I mean it's when you know it's cold outside when you're warmer outside of your sleeping bag moving around than inside with two layers of 800 fill goose down around you yeah. <laughs> that's when it's cold outside yeah, I mean, so I remember when I went on the Appalachian Trail, I, I had this um, had this quote, uh, and everybody knows it. It's pretty classic. You know, if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute. <laughs> you know, if you, if you don't like what you're given, just hold out, and it's going to switch on you. Um, you know, Scott really enjoys watching the news, and it drives me crazy. But it, regardless... For some reason, I I, tune, I always tune in at the weather because it's the only job in the world that you can be inaccurate 100% of the time and still maintain a career. Yeah. It's pretty surprising. So, you know, everybody knows that quote out there. Um, I, But it's so, it's so true for mountain ranges. It's so, it, it's, I mean, it's so true for the mountains. Because the mountains almost dictate their own weather pattern. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we've been in instance after instance. We've been at Whitley Gap Shelter before. And, um, and you know, we had similar um, occurrences. You know, it's thick, dense fog to where you step not even two feet away and you're completely disoriented as to, like, where your roundabouts are. And... Because it sits below the ridge line. There's something about the way it sits. Yeah, there is. 
<coughs> it sits it sits pretty below the ridge and so you're gonna get that pocket of cold air um, that kind of sits and pulls down um, off the ridge and I believe that shelter is facing the wrong way <laughs> I'm almost positive that it's convinced because I've been there multiple times and each time I'm there the wind starts from the back of the shelter and you're like oh okay cool but then it ends up blowing into the shelter and I don't know where the ridge in and around that area I know it's <laughs> it's it's a gap and I know that um, it's off of a ridge so I think the whirlwinds that come up, and by the way, when we were in that shelter, you could hear the wind billowing way down below and coming up the mountain, which was really freaky cool. Um, you could almost like embrace for the wind gust coming through. Yeah. Uh, and time it. It was about yeah. it took about five seconds. Yeah, that's pretty. I mean, that's pretty cool. It was experience. really cool. And so, um, but that's that that's a typical that's typical for. Um, you know, especially the Appalachian Trail, where the the mounds create its own wind tunnels, their own um, the way the wind um, pushes up the mountain, comes up up and over, and by the time it's barreling down the other side of the mountain, I mean it can be going all all different kind of directions, and so and I think the wind was coming in the shelter shelter and actually literally bouncing off the walls of the shelter, puffing out my sleeping bag which was very aggravating, <laughs> very <laughs> aggravating. I don't think I've ever heard you describe a backpacking trip as aggravating. Well, I think when Besides you- Besides maybe the time where I ate all your food in the Grand Canyon. Hey, look, when you spend as much <laughs> money on gear as we have, and you go out and buy that down sleeping bag that everyone says it's the best, and the wind puffs that thing out, and you can feel the wind going through the sleeping bag, it's a cold night it's a windy night <laughs> and um we actually started wrapping ourselves around plastic the plastic tarp i had for the ground a wind cloth, barrier the yeah no i think it's brilliant well it was brilliant until it was wind it was so windy the thing wouldn't stay if i could have built a wall in that shelter that night i would have built that third third that fourth wall yeah, that's how bad it was but anyway that's that that's the realities of uh backpacking and we're going to kind of go into a little bit about why and how that happens all the time. How how does the wind how does the weather change so much in the mountains? And why do the mountains create a it's kind of like its own weather system? And specifically we're gonna talk about the Appalachians because that that in of itself is um, really cool the way the east side could be completely different than the west side of the mountains. So it's really kind of cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say, let's discuss it. So, the first thing that um, you you got to understand about specifically the Appalachian Mountains and and or any mountain range is that because they go up high in elevation, weather systems are going <coughs> to crash into those mountains just like anything else, right? I mean, kind of picture yourself in a hot air balloon. You're going, I mean, you're just sailing on that jet stream, man, and you're flying, all of a sudden there's a big mountain in front of you, right? What are you gonna do? Well, you're not gonna have time to go up. You're not gonna have time to, to, to land. You're probably gonna crash right into it. Well, that's what the wind does. That's what the, that's what storm fronts do. And depending on how that weather hits is gonna make the difference between what the weather system does. So, for example, when you're planning your through hike, specifically on the Appalachian Trail, 
did you know that the Smoky Mountains, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, is actually considered a rainforest? Really? Yep. They get 90 inches of rain per year. Now, that's good to know if you're going to through hike. <laughs> you got to go through them. Yeah, yeah, I go up and over the Smokies. Good to know. Hey, you know, I'm going to be hiking in a rainforest. You know, it's probably good information to know. There's a reason. I don't think anybody thinks about it like that, but I don't that's, think people look. But I mean, but that's great information. Um, it's. I enjoy his, history and historical value of the areas that I hike in, and and see. And I don't think. Well, I can probably assure you that the majority of people who go hiking don't really take into account the historical value of what they're going through or, you know, just very unique facts about the terrain and the environment and the weather system that really do affect your hike. Yeah, absolutely. How you prepare. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. How you read the signs. Yeah. When and, you're out there. And the thing about the and the thing about the mountains, whatever your weather forecast is going to be um, on a level playing field, and so in the around the Smokies, you have you have Nashville, you have Atlanta, you have on the other side, you have Raleigh, North Carolina. I mean, you have a lot of different towns that sit on the west side. You have a lot of different cities, towns that fall on the east side. And so when you look at that weather for that day, I can guarantee you it's probably going to be really different than what is going to happen in the mountains because the weather the weather changes. And so basic mountain topography enhances any kind of weather that is forecasted below the mountain. Remember that. The mountain topography because it's it's high, it's going to enhance weather. Okay, so the basic way mountains affect weather is that they force air to rise even higher and quicker that would normally be over a level area. You know, humidity rises, heat rises. You hear that in the summertime all the time, but mountain topography makes everything go faster. Okay, um, more air is cooled to the point where moisture is even more condensed and consequently more rain is produced since overall wind patterns and the movement of fronts are like from west to east normally normally from west to east the air masses rise on the western slopes of the mountains okay so the right the air is coming in it's going to hit the Appalachians and it's going to rise up catapulting not a good sound effect <laughs> right up the visuals even better the western side of we're live right now too. the western side of the mountains so generally speaking on a typical weather front typical weather front when the weather system is going from west to east the western side of the mountains are going to receive more rain in a more dramatic way so thunderstorm boom western side of the mountain you're gonna get pummeled snowfall boom western side you're gonna get a lot of snow so but that isn't always the case because of one little bad boy out there in the weather and, the, and he's a bad boy <laughs> he's, he's a rogue it's called the low pressure system <laughs> so in the same scenario the low a low pressure system that happens all the time and this is one of the reasons why the Smokies is considered a rainforest a low pressure system that's sitting over the Appalachian Mountains 
acts as a vacuum cleaner and it sucks all the air from the Gulf of Mexico. This week, it sucked the air out of the Gulf so far. It was, it's actually sucking air from Hawaii. Wow. The jet stream. Really? Yes. And that low pressure system acts like a sucking vortex from hell. And that's why the Smoky Mountains specifically get so much rain. And when there's a low pressure system, and here it is, folks. If there's a low pressure system over the Smokies when you're hiking, the eastern side of the mountains are going to be just filled with, I mean, it's going to rain, 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 because all that moisture is, is actually ending up on the east side. Normal weather system, thunderstorm comes through the summer, west side. Low pressure system over the Smokies, uh, usually during the spring and fall, it's the east side is going to be, you're going to be flooded out. Now, ironically, in the Smokies, what do you think one of the driest towns in the Appalachians between the west side and east side in and around the Smoky Mountain National Park is? The driest. Asheville. Uh, really? I yes. Was, I was going to ask for a, uh, you know, choices. <laughs> no, 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 there's no choice. Asheville. Really? At, yes, it's because the way that town is situated in a valley off the ridge, it's protected from both. Unique. It's protected from the west side because the storms can't get up and over. And it's protected from the east side because there's a huge ridge in front um, of the of the you know the the vortex coming through and actually all the smoke so it's a rainforest but at, so if if it's bad weather at Asheville <laughs> you know that's where you go it's probably why it, it's such a great town to to uh, vacation in um, but that's that's really the the tales of the Appalachian Trail as far as how the weather works so. One of the things that you want to do is like when you're getting ready to hike or through hike, or you're going to do on a multi-day backpacking trip, you want to look at the jet stream. You want to look at which way the weather's coming from, which way the wind is blowing. Um, and there's a reason why that weather can, can get, can change so quickly there. I mean, it does, it does change so rapidly and so fast. And it's, it's almost on a turner of dime, just like you guys experienced this weekend. Um, you know, out on the Appalachian Trail. Well, what we experienced this weekend on the AT was what they call weather forecasters usually call it. Uh, they usually call it cold air damming. And so, when uh, the or lower elevation forecasters call it, you know, damming, that means <laughs> that the weather is going to come out. The weather's usually coming out of Canada, and you, when when you hear weather coming out of Canada, it's not going to be warm weather. There's a clue right there. It's not gonna be warm. So, um, this the as far as the Appalachian, like so, in various times throughout the year, high pressure builds over Canada. Okay, and we've seen this all the time. It's called the polar vortex sometimes. So it it just brings in that cold air, and when the cold air hits the western side of the mountains, it's too heavy. It can't get over. It just can't get over those mountains because it's heavy. It's out of shape. <laughs> I was just thinking the cold, same thing. Cold weather is, is bad. <laughs> Can't get over the mountains. It's had uh, that Thanksgiving feast. Yeah, so it, it encounters <laughs> the Appalachians, and it, it's, it's weak. It's, it's out of fit. 
the the air is unable to get over the the mountains uh, and then so the fact that the air is cool means that it's dense it's heavy and it tends to hug the ground it tends to be in low elevation so what Carrie and I experienced was this polar vortex came in couldn't get over the mountains we're on we're below the ridge yep. so guess where that wind went it sunk and ironically so when you look in the mountains if you ever if you're ever high up in elevation you really kind of see the tail of two frost lines you can look over the mountains and see frost frost below elevation and then it's like kind of like clear but then on the very top of the mountains there'll be frost again and that's because the cold air sinks to the lower portion of you know valleys and gaps things like that and so and that was one of the things that we experienced so when we came out of the shelter we 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 came we climbed back up on the ridge right where everything was melting we went back down to uh, Hogpen Gap to where our cars were everything was frozen you know so it's so in the old days a lot of the you know like the homesteaders farmers that lived in the Smokies they would actually plant apple orchards in in higher elevation areas right to protect so yeah. if, if you, you know see that, you see that a lot out in that you do and so if you are if, you know if you're backpacking <laughs> And in that cold air, you know that there's a system coming out of out of um, Canada, and it's going to be cold. You may not. You may think. You may think twice about dropping down in elevation. You may want to stay in mid in mid elevation. You know. And so the smoke Smokies are. You know. I mean, the highest is you know six thousand feet. So you know, staying around like two thousand, three thousand feet may not be a bad idea if you have if you have a little if you have a little protection. But we were off the ridge, we were down below, and that's exactly what happened. That cold air just sunk there, and then it just, it, the wind just had nowhere to go. And so it just kind of stayed in there, and that's why we were getting pummeled with all that wind. That wind was shooting up the mountain, just like it's supposed to, and it got up to that gap and just like, okay, I'm here, wake up. <laughs> if I'm up, you're going to be up. You know, I, I think um, we, we've discussed this before, but, you know, one of the top, um, you know, stats for search and rescue is is weather related, unpreparedness, um, and, and not quite knowing what to anticipate. And I saw this when I was hiking on the Appalachian Trail last spring. It, we were hiking through the Smokies. People were it was warm for quite a while. People were sending home their winter gear. They were switching out their bags. They were sending their down jackets home. Um, and they ended up in a snowstorm uh, to the point where they actually closed the Smoky Mountains uh, due to an intense winter uh, snowstorm that came through and just shut, shut it down, shut all the roads down, shut access to every trail down. Um, and it's the unpreparedness like that. And so, you know, it, it's part of your due diligence to plan and prepare and you know know what you're getting into some people are a little bit more intense in their research others are very bare minimum and and there isn't anything wrong with the level of detail in which you uh, prepare um, some would say that preparing too much or knowing too much takes all the excitement out of it it takes out the um, 
you know the uh, unprepared. Yeah. yeah, it just it it's like why are you planning to go? You know why are you preparing so much? But really, there's so many websites out there that are so in tune to elevation um, and exposure, um, and we're gonna post those. One really great app uh, that I find to be very accurate is um, I think it's atweather dot org uh atweather.org it it allows you to hand select shelters and so you're talking about um specific elevations specific exposures specific marks um on there and it also allows you to select it for the pct too so it's a it's an absolutely great resource if you're in the appalachian mountains um but it's really hard to know how to it if you're just going out for the weekend and you're in the city or you're at very low elevation and you're trying to pack for somewhere in high elevation or somewhere where weather systems are going to be playing tricks on you like you had noticed it's it's hard to conceptualize the elevation difference and how weather effects. Now, as you become more of an experienced backpacker, I say that you start to become so much more in tune and you kind of have general gear um, pre-existing and, and you're always packing for the weather changes, especially in higher elevation. Um, so something to take into consideration for those beginning, um, besides looking at your resources, is a general rule of thumb, if it's going to be sunny weather in the area that uh, you plan to hike in. You are subtracting about five and a half degrees, just about five and a half degrees for every thousand feet in elevation that you gain. So if you are looking at a weather report in Dahlonega and you are hiking up to however many to Blood you know, Mountain. To Blood Mountain. So you, to, to get a relative range, because it's, it's, it's challenging. Um, and and, this, can, and th this can go for almost anywhere that you're um, hiking in. It's a general rule of thumb. If you add into that any precipitation, so snow, um, um, snow, it, it deep, you know, uh, I would say a rain. lot of clouds, um, rain, you are subtracting just over three uh, degrees to every thousand feet. And that's because you're more protected with those elements in a sense. Now, it doesn't, this is very generalized. It's, it's a very generalization. It doesn't, it's just an estimate. It doesn't take into account all the other factors that go into it. Um, exposure, wind. Um, so wind chill factors into that. Um, and and um, it's it's hard to predict wind chill. It's very hard. Well, because you have gusts, you have sustained winds, and it, it, it changes because, you know, that's how quick the weather changes, you know. Um, yes, it, it's, it is, it is, they, it's, a, it's an estimate. Wind chill is an, is an estimate, just and like I the heat index is kind of an estimate. Right, and once you start adding in precipitation to the mix, it starts to feel colder. Um, it, pretty much when your body is wet, uh, winds, like the wind speed hitting you, it can evaporate 
um, you know, your body process. And so what it does is it pull, it pulls all that warmth away from your body right. because it's working harder That's right. uh, to keep yourself warm. Um, so straight up studies show that when your body is wet, you lose heat much more rapidly than when oh, yeah. you're dry. And that's why everyone hates that, that wet cold, you know? Right. Even in summer. It, it, uh, right. Even in summer. We've seen people get hypothermia in summertime. And I've experienced it personally. And so, you know, there's a lot of different factors, but it, it's a good general gauge uh, for elevation changes, especially when you're thinking, okay, I'm packing, it's warm outside, I'm hot, I'm go not going to need this down jacket. Well, consider you know, dropping that degree um, and, and start playing around with that in your mind. And I think it'll help prepare you for packing. Well, it's all about more. regulating your body temperature. So even in the summertime, we explain a little bit about <coughs> how the weather system works. Are you on the west side of the ridge or on the east side of the ridge? Are you in a high pressure system or a low pressure system? Even in the summertime, because you're on higher elevation, that, that rain um, has a shorter distance to like come through the the atmosphere and it's gonna be cold and if you've ever been up in the mountains in the summertime in a thunderstorm when it's rained that rain is cold and it's gonna drop your core body temperature extremely quick that's why we tell people I don't care where you're I don't care where you are in the summertime if you are in high in elevation you better have a rain jacket with you it'll save your life not I'm not so kidding right. you always 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 have a rain jacket and i don't care if it's 95 degrees outside bring a rain jacket with you because you know um even in even when i did long's peak in in the end of july at 14,000 feet there's still snow and ice up there and it thunderstorms and and the, the lightning is very prevalent up there and they tell you get off the top of the the summit by noon so you know, every when you go up in high elevation, it's always it's always a factor as far as weather goes. Always, always, never doubt it. And um, but there is a rhyme and reason why mountains um, have a huge impact on the weather up there. So one of the myths, and this is a huge myth on the Appalachian Trail, huge myth that. When you are hiking the trail in the springtime or fall, you think, oh, the higher the elevation, the colder it's going to be. Now, in the summertime, that is true. As Ariane just explained to you, in the summer, nice, sunny, you know, it can be five, five degree different. But not in the spring and the fall. It's actually the opposite. <laughs> okay? Now, I know. It's the it's it kind of works backwards. So, in the southeast and the northeast, in the Appalachian mountain ridge, the whole ridge going from Georgia all the way to Maine, that um, in the springtime, it it um, the elevation and the weather systems act a lot like the desert in the west, except for the humidity, but the temperature and the way that the air comes up and uh, comes up over and the storm systems are actually very similar. Um, it's uh, uh, during the spring and the fall, the situation reverses, remember that. On a clear spring and fall day, the sun quickly warms the earth, nice and warm in the springtime. Oh, it's very nice, <laughs> very nice outside. Um, 
and it's more like the desert. But as the surface cools, the heavier cold air descends. Remember that, cold air descends. So often, often in the springtime, higher elevations will be warmer than colder gaps and valleys. So if you if you are higher up on a ridge and you're hiking the Appalachian Trail in spring and and it's going to get cool that night. Let's say the day got up to like 57 degrees, 60 degrees. Man, you're you are going. And you say, "Man, I'm going to I'm going to go down to the gap cuz I want to stay warm tonight. It's supposed to be cool." Well, you might be in for a bigger surprise. <laughs> it might be colder. And so like you that's one of the things about planning and preparing, you know, understand. It's one thing to through hike the AT, it's one thing to through hike the the PCT. But if you can understand how the weather works, if you can understand how the mountain ranges affect the weather, west side versus east side, high pressure versus low pressure, understanding which wind direction affects the weather the most, and you are going to even... be so much better prepared. I'm telling you, you will be so much better prepared because um, there's nothing like sitting around a campfire <clears throat> and one night the smoke is just generally rising up in the sky and everyone's warm and happy. And then the next night, the smoke doesn't know what to do, and it's going all over. And you turn to everybody and say, yep, low pressure systems here. Better prepare. And they're like, what? How do you know that? Well, and the wind doesn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, that's when you know. And I would even take it a step further, but um, also really developing your knowledge on how to read clouds. And we're not going to go into the different types of clouds and what they mean, but they're understanding clouds and their behavior um, the wind behavior you know how how the sky looks um, how to read it how much time do you have until these fronts or these weather systems come in are they moving towards you are they moving away from you and sometimes you don't have a lot of time yeah that's the key sometimes, sometimes you, you have you a don't. lot and sometimes 30 it's minutes very sometimes. Quick sometimes less than that sometimes you are stuck in you know the green tunnel and you can't really see the clouds but um i think that reading the sky offers you so much education and so much preparedness if you if you know how to understand what the weather is doing visually um and what it's doing to feel um, a lot of times you can you can flat out feel the weather change if you are in tune with it you can feel it and it happens in an instant and you're like oh oh gotcha oh yeah okay. absolutely and it's absolutely. It, you know it's all about um being in tune to nature being tuned to nature um and just educating yourself on a on a grander sense in understanding where you're going you know it, it, like you know like scott said understanding how to read the um understanding how mountain ranges work and how weather plays into that it'll make you a better backpacker areas. it really will absolutely you know, and we kid you not you know when you know we we've been in, in places where we have actually seen the weather circulate you know in the grand canyons one of them we saw it uh we saw it um circle we saw it accumulate we saw the storm cloud coming we saw it hit the side <laughs> of the grand canyon we saw it rain we saw it move the same cloud was doing a circle so and if when you once you understand a little bit how um, weather systems, wind direction, 
it will make you a better backpacker it really will because you're going to be more prepared you're going to be a little bit more okay this is coming out of the north yeah air's going to get cold tonight what's my elevation level where am i going to go tonight where do i want to sleep and by the way it's april that should tell you right there not to go low you know um stay in mid elevation level so once you get to know all that stuff it really will make you a much much better backpacker um Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please give it a review on iTunes. We really would appreciate that. We'd love to know how we're doing, how we can make the podcast um, better, and we would love to hear from you. Um, Shout-outs to our Facebook members on our group page and our patrons, Rick, Jerry, Shirley, Chuck, who messaged us while we were doing the podcast, John, Yvonne, and Gary, really appreciate you guys and your support. Uh, thanks for watching the live feed Absolutely. tonight. Um, our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and now on Radio Public, available for both iOS and Android. You can also follow us on Instagram. We really appreciate everybody and all your support that you give us, and really keep the photographs. And the comments on our Facebook group coming, we we love that. It makes our day, it makes our week, it it drives us with inspiration for the podcast. Um, so we truly appreciate it, and uh, yeah, keep it coming. Absolutely. In the meantime, everybody, trust, trust the, the trail. trail. We'll see you later. Bye, you guys. Bye.